Hello and welcome to tonight's episode of On the Record. I'm your host, Jerome Sawyer. As the new year unfolds, our nation faces a disturbing reality. Within just the first month, we've witnessed a surge in violence, culminating in a staggering 18 murders. This alarming statistic not only raises the question, how do we get there, but also, what can we do to stop this tide of violence? The community's response has been a mix of fear, anger and desperation. There's a growing clamor for harsher measures, with many calling for the return of capital punishment. But beyond these reactionary cries for justice, there are families torn apart by grief, witnessing loved ones lost to the senseless violence. In an effort to stem this tide, the government and court system have taken a stand. Recent amendments to the Bail Act aimed at revoking bail for repeat offenders represents a significant shift in our judicial landscape. But is this enough? Are we addressing the root causes of this crisis? Tonight, we dig deeper into these questions. We speak to someone who's lived a life many of us can't even imagine. He's a former gang member, once listed among the most wanted who will share his perspective. We also sit down with a seasoned criminal defense attorney who will unpack her views on what contributes to the surge in crime and how our legal system is coping. Stay with us as we seek understanding and solutions. This is On the Record. Tonight we look into a pressing issue that's gripped our nation, the alarming rise in violent crime. Let's take a closer look at the events that have unfolded in the past few weeks. At the top of the year, just eight days in, our country was already reeling from eight murders. The president of the Bahamas Christian Council weighed in. It was at the Royal Bahamas Police Force's annual church service that Bishop Delton Fernanda tackled the topic during a fiery sermon. He urged us not to live in fear, but to stand together as a community. Gene Joseph reports. With last year's murder count ending in the triple digits and eight murders recorded so far this year, Christian Council President Bishop Delton Fernander says it's time for upstanding citizens to regain control of society. His comments came during the police force's church service at New Destiny Baptist Cathedral on Gladstone Road. We've got to take our streets, our basketball court, our neighborhoods, our spaces. We've got to take them back. Pointing out suspects on bail are being murdered. Fernandez also calling for urgent reform in the country's judicial system, a cry that is often echoed by police force officials. Something is terribly wrong 
with our justice system. The system is in need. You don't have to say amen. I'm going to preach it anyhow. The system is in need of a serious review. While Prime Minister Philip Davis suggested a national day of prayer, Fernanda had this to say. I've concluded that we must stand up everywhere and must get in place so that we can fight for the soul of our country. We must remember that the walls are down and it's time to have Operation Secure the City. But it isn't just murder that's plaguing our streets. There's been a notable increase in sexual assaults and violent attacks. A particularly disturbing case involving a 13-year-old boy in Grand Bahama got our attention. On Tuesday, January 16th, we received reports that a 13-year-old boy was fighting for his life after he was stabbed for refusing to join a gang. Police said that the victim was walking in Lewis Yard when he was confronted by three men he knew. Police say the men asked him to join their gang. When he refused, he was stabbed in the abdomen. While these incidents are igniting a familiar debate, should we revisit capital punishment? While the religious community passed on commenting, what about our lawmakers? What stance did they take on this critical issue? In this report, our Berthony McDermott explores both sides of the issue. Amid a spike in homicides, lawmakers on both sides of the political divide are sharing their views on the issue. Last week, Education Minister Glennis Anna Martin said it's unlikely we will see executions after Jamaican Prime Minister Andrew Hull nips through his support behind capital punishment. But what do our lawmakers believe? From a personal perspective, the Word of God gives us our instructions from God for every aspect of our life. And the Bible speaks to um, eye for an eye. Sometimes you have, you have reasons for rehabilitation. Um, but at sometimes that persons might want, want that route. I think it's, it's an emotional view. The last execution in the Bahamas was on January 6, 2000 at the Fox Hill Prison. We pitched the question to the official opposition as well. Free National Movement leader Michael Pintard said the party hasn't come to a decision on the matter yet. We need to be absolutely sure that when from the point of prosecution all the way through uh, to from the point of arrest all the way through the prosecution that we have the right person for the right crime. The last thing we need is to put to death somebody that is innocent. But in clear-cut cases, I believe the majority of Bahamians support capital punishment. And we need to start hanging persons that have been convicted, completed their appeal process of murder again. I'm not into this whole deal about Privy Council saying it needs to be the worst of the worst. That's their opinion. My the hot button issue is again making news headlines amid a surge in homicides in the capital. Religious pastors remain split on the issue. We asked the lawmakers if they believe capital punishment will be a deterrent to criminal activity. It will be a deterrent to some individuals. A lot of times murder is a crime of passion, but at the same time, an individual has lost their life. In this day and time, I don't know exactly if it's going to act as a deterrent. Uh, I, I cannot positively say it because what you're seeing on the road is people who are determined to carry out what they want to carry out. Reporting for Our News, I'm Berthony McDermott. We heard from members of Parliament and other government officials, but as our Joshua Williams took this question to the streets to understand the community's stance on capital punishment, the response was varied. Here's what our people had to say. Calls for capital punishment getting louder as violence has pushed the country's murder count to 14 for the year. And residents are sounding off on the idea. I really feel that they really need to capitalize that punishment. It really needs to be enhanced. It's a lot. It's a lot going on. 
I'm a Christian, and the good books say, if you live by it, you die by it. You know, I, I, I would hate to see one of my family members or friends get swing, right? But I feel if you kill, you should be killed. I mean, if you kill somebody, I mean, we say we're a Christian nation, right? It's in the Bible. If the Bible supported and we're a Christian nation, why not? According to an Our News social media poll on Facebook, the majority of residents prefer lethal injection as a method of capital punishment with nearly 1,000 votes. This is what others had to say. Any which way, any, anyone, it doesn't make a difference to me once you kill. Onion should not be brought back. The point it is, we need to fix our problem. We have a problem in this nation. We should punish them differently. As you know, like different punishment, but not capital like hanging again. I don't think you should bring that back. God don't speak directly, he speaks to the court. Let's go with the court. I say, let it swing. You know, I went to school where we had to wear a necktie and that don't play. You understand me? So when you do wrong, you get the necktie. I say the necktie. These residents say they want to ensure only the guilty are executed. Once we cross all our T's and it's all, all of our eyes, I am for it. We just have to make sure that no innocent people are killed for the guilty. Now various government officials along with residents have given their opinion on capital punishment. The last time someone was executed in the Bahamas was all the way back in 2000. As to when it will happen again, we'll have to wait and see. Reporting for Our News, I'm Joshua Williams. This brings us to January 24th. With a double-digit murder count less than a month into the year, the government trying to ease public fears and concerns by tackling one of the biggest problems, repeat offenders on bail. The Prime Minister tabled an amendment to the Bail Act in Parliament, accompanied by a clear and strong message to criminals. Once again, here's Bethany McDermott. The amendment will automatically revoke bail for anyone committing a serious offence who is already on bail. Prime Minister Philip Davis bringing the amendment to Parliament in the midst of a rising crime wave, while careful to acknowledge bail as a constitutional right that ought not be abused. Our amendment will ensure that bail is automatically revoked for those accused persons who commit offences while on bail. This includes those found to be in violation of the terms of their bail, which is an offence under the amendment. These amendments come following Police Commissioner Clayton Fernandez's call for a review of the law, as case after case shows murder victims are on bail or suspects are arrested for new crimes while on bail. It's the Prime Minister's hope this now sends a stern message. Our legal system will no longer tolerate those who flout its rules and endanger our communities. While 17 murders already for the year, the government is now forced to provide answers. One remedy is expanding school policing. This means more police officers in schools as a way to build relationships. This initiative <coughs> aims not only to ensure safety, but also to engage in early prevention, right. detection and intervention of criminal activities among our young people. Our clear, whole and build strategy is a robust approach to dismantling gang presence in our neighborhoods. Also on the crime agenda is curbing drug trafficking. We are also strengthening regional cooperation in our fight against drug trafficking and illegal arms trade. By working closely with our neighboring countries, we aim to tackle these cross-border issues more effectively. Reporting for Our News, I'm Bertheny McDermott. 
But what does this amendment mean for us? Can it help to curb the rising tide of crime? Later in tonight's episode, we'll speak to an expert who can guide us through the implications of this amendment. We'll also have an exclusive and compelling segment when you join us after the break. We sit down with a reformed gang member who once topped the most wanted list. This is a rare opportunity to hear firsthand about life inside a gang, what drives individuals to such a path, and importantly, what led to his transformation. You won't want to miss this insightful conversation. Tonight, we have the unique opportunity to hear from someone who has lived it, a reformed gang member. He's here to give us an inside look at gang life, the factors that often lead individuals down this dangerous path, and the current realities of the streets. We talk about his personal journey, how he managed to break free from the gang lifestyle, a feat that's both rare and incredibly challenging. For his safety and privacy, he has chosen to remain anonymous, but we are deeply grateful for the chance to hear his story. Here's the interview. All right, so uh, first of all, thank you for agreeing to do the interview with us. As I told you, we'll make sure to conceal your identity. I want to start by you telling us how is it that you got involved in gang life and, and, and that gang violence, we call it. How did you get involved? Oh, well, I got involved in gang life by lack of less. One parent's in the house. Sometimes her mother one that's got to take you to the whole house, so you got to go there and make men and rings for you and your family. And I mean, and then you go to a lot of places, no one helping you, so push you back to the streets where you have to go to sell jobs, meet niggas, maybe take it to kill people. And I mean, and all of this is, all that's involved, that's to try to help your mother, your other sisters, imagine a mother, a single parent with seven children no father for no no one no one around that's the children there and then light off no bullshit in the house right man and then in the streets you go there first they show you will make it feel like love but when you realize you're sinking yourself deeper into the streets because when you're into the streets for so long they have been running around doing this doing that right man selling this selling that and I think, guess what, like when they finish with you, they find someone else. You know what I mean? With a street life like that. You see what I'm saying? And that's the street life show you a, little, a lot of people on the street show a lot of young people a lot of love. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like what they ain't getting from home. You see what I'm saying? So I had my years into the street life. I mean, I see a lot of, a lot of friends of mine that don't watch lawsuits on farm. Talk a little bit more la- later on about why you left, but recently we've seen a lot of murders, a lot of young men killed, some of them not even 18 years old. You look at that, you hear the stories, you see what's going on. What do you think is the reason that we've seen so many murders recently? Well, well the reason you're seeing a lot of murders happening is that a lot of children grow up in their own world or daddy. They enter the streets. The streets young, the street people show love pay bills for their family, so it's more like they owe the street a favor. So anytime I see any man in the street ask them to do something, they have to do it. 
You see what I say? Right? So what's driving the senior man? You said the senior man tell you got to do something. What is, do we really have a war going on between these senior men? Yeah, you have a war going on. There's a war going on from way back, and the war ain't never stopped. The war still going on, even even so long. Sometimes it slow down, and then sometimes it kick right back up. I explain to you, majority this war, majority of the war come from jail. Majority of the wars come from jail. The message coming from jail? Yeah, majority of the wars come from jail. Let's go. The average person who get killed, you do the mathematics and you look at the survey and thing. It's either a hit coming out from jail, with someone in jail, where they offend someone in jail, and they send someone on the streets to deal with them. Or this person been to jail, or he just come out of jail. Why will the people from in jail, but the people from in jail still have a connect on the road? Let me ask you, I hear fellas say, man, I'll, I'll take two years for that meaning. I'll do my crime, sit in jail, get bail, and come out. Yeah, that means it's easy, because when you're in jail, you go to jail, you go to jail for murder. It goes back to show that we, the system is backlogged in cases. You violate the rights. He do three, four years on race neutral. Automatically, you have to give him bail because he rights is done being provoked. You see what I'm saying? Now, he come back out. Now, everybody who's doing wrong from in jail, who sent him to jail, he coming back out on the road for them. You know what I mean? And a lot of the young fellas who doing the killer, they really don't really get the understanding. This war ain't even about them. They just put, they just get themselves involved in something with the concern in them. But when they realize what's going on, it's be too late. And you can't get out. You can't get out because you don't care so much. And then you get 13 year old, 12 year old, these young boys is be in the club. How could a 13 year old, a 15 year old, a 16 year old in the club in the night? So we're the parents. If I got a 13 or 15 year old, I, they got to be home. Okay, you got some parents waking. You got some parents can't control them. Some parents have no help. So if they have no help, what could they do? How much pressure is there for you to get involved? You grow up in the area, you go to school with these fellas, like you say, the senior man in the area, senior man saying, is there a lot of pressure for you to get involved? And was that the case with you? Well, with, 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 with them, the pressure is that, like I keep still telling you, it's a lack of love in home, it's a lack of interest, the parents waking, and they see certain people in the streets, they moving around all day with guns, they selling jokes, they see this fast money, good living, their parents ain't eating. So sometimes they go and hang with the person. Next thing you know, they gang. All they want, them is a part of the gang. They want that fast life. Yeah, they, they want, want that money. fast life. They want that money. And they want to look good. They want to say, oh, I drive on something. I wear a big chain. You know what I mean? I get this money. I ride with the old killers. If I ride with the old killers, people can respect me. Because fishing, they saying, I used to kill her too. Because you were with them. Because I with them, it's correct. Where the guns coming from? Majority of the time the guns come from overseas, boats. They ship them in. It still falls back down on. We don't make guns. So the guns don't make you. See what I'm saying? Everything gets shipped in. How easy is it for me to get a gun if I want one? It's easy to get a gun. You go in your community, 
You know the people there, so you know who's selling them. Right, man? You got your money, you got your gun. What average piece cost me? Average piece cost 11 Yeah. Do the police know? You say people know who's selling the guns, they know how they're coming in. How much police know? Police say everything. Trust me, they know. See, the thing goes deeper than what you think. See what they say? Because if you really do the search, you're surprised to know who's selling it. Why? You'd be surprised to know who's selling it. Why are you surprised? You don't mind everybody in Kotul or shop or whatever. Don't mind that. You know? So some big wigs involved. Yeah, some big boys involved. Big, big boys. Never face, they face never on the front line. Never, ever. But they collecting the money. They used to settle bringing in and collecting the money. And you say boats, cruise ships, yachts, boats, boats everything. You see, sometimes they come from the island, sometimes they drop them to the island, and then they come here. Wow. Um, what made you decide to get out of this life? What made me decide to get out of life? I done see so much of my friends gone, you know what I mean? I get children, you know what I mean? And then when I do my little stretch, I make a vow to God that I'll come out and save him. Once he protect me and take care of me and my family. And so far from what I see, that's what God has been doing. And I make my vow to him so I do my best to serve him. See, what you got to realize is, right? A lot of time, the people say, they can give this to the, the, the government or this to help the people. Majority of the people that's helping the people is the church. That's what get me out of it. So it really is the church is helping? It is the church. You see what they say, right? Just by being around, I see a lot of things. Especially, you see, uh, you got some Agnes on Blue Road. I know if you know what uh, Father Cartwright. I go to that church. Okay. That's who installed me to do good. And just keep pressing on forward and forward. You see what they say, right? You got them, you got Salem Baptist, through Taylor Street. You see what they say? You got a couple well out of church with us do good. You see what they say? What would it take to get more young men, you know, more fellas like you, to say, no, I don't want to do this no more. Let me go in another direction. What it take them to get is, you got to let's go to them and you got to show them that real love and show them that you ain't a fake. You know what I mean? You see them this month and then they don't see you no more for a year, two years or whatever. You come see them again when you need something from them. No. Now I ain't out of church run. Church comes to your house, check on your school. They do everything. You see what they say? Problems you in, get you out and all sometime. You know what I mean? And then from you see this thing, you don't gonna you don't want to go back to that lifestyle because majority well, like I tell you majority of people, they in lifestyle they only wanna live good. Have everything that they need. That they can have their sisters, their brothers, their mommy. You know, there's a mom getting up in the morning, they can't even feed their children. The children gotta go to school and wait till the mom come home to see if she can hustle in order to feed them. I didn't even talk about eating no breakfast. They have to go straight to school and wait, come home and see what they mom hustle or whatever in order to feed them. 
Hey, man. So you living day to day? That's how they have to live. They have no other choice. Okay, they go to, if you go to certain places, a lot, yeah, a lot of people say go to social service, but they run around, they'll carry you too. It don't make no sense. They will dig deep into your life, which in, they put you there to help, protect, and serve the country. But you going deep into a person's life, you can go deep into a person's life after you and show them to get them to trust you. But you find that's one go deep into his life and he don't trust you. Let me ask you this. You mentioned to our producer that there are many out there who don't feel like this country is for them. Like this country don't belong to them. Yes, many out there still feel the country don't belong to them. Because the people in the heads of the government who you trust, they put they trust in foreigners. You see what I say? Eh? Mm -hmm. And they ain't one set of foreigners. The country is so flooded with so much different foreigners telling you ain't funny, and now they sit back and make remarkable real behemoths. How could it be? How could you help someone else and your own need help? So you feel like we're neglecting our own people? Right away. You can't help no one else. Okay. How long have we been helping foreigners? From your daddy time, my daddy time, from, from so long. Okay, y'all say y'all bringing certain people in the country when they had this happen in their country, that happened in their country. But now they're here, there's nothing to be said. How many people in this country who don't start us? Waking. And they say Bahamas the one way, Bahamas one way. Why would y'all give the Bahamas a job if y'all go let this one waken? He waking for citizenship, he waking for people. He ain't waking for no money. He waiting for you to get him, he paid for us to be straight. So, who do you think you're going to decide? Do you, do you feel that help comes to you, or is it something you have to always ask for? Do you feel like, as a Bahamian, you get the help when you need it, or you got to go out there and hustle and beg? Or? As a Bahamian, help don't come to no Bahamian. They just have to go there and make it happen and hustle. But as a foreigner, there's some of them that sit back and it comes to them. Whereby should be waking around so much of them. If this one leave a job, a next foreigner take that. It should not be. They bring in their people when they leave. See, I say, the average of them that's come here to get what they have to get. And but some don't stay and some stay. You know what I mean? The first set, the set who was here before, the set who just come. They more sociable, but the set who just come, they more like they have a grudge against Bahamians. For, for what reason we do not know, that's our country. We ain't asking. We helping them. We have a right to be here. We, like, we, we, we ain't coming just come here, we born here. We helping them, but yet still, it's still a problem. I'm going to go back to you for a bit. Um, at what point did you say, you know what? I am done with this life. What happened for you to change? Well, what point is when I say I'm done with the life? Children born, see a lot of best friends and friends get killed, and get killed by their own. Right, man? What made me change is to say, all the years of my life I've been trying badness and doing this and doing that, it never pay off. The only thing that pay off is lock up seven days a week, wanted for this, wanted for that. And I seek that. 
once or twice I see God and things is working my way. And I mean, like I tell you, the church have some very nice people in the church. You see what I'm saying? Especially St. Agnes Church, they have a very lot of good people in the church. You see what I'm saying? And as people see you grow, and they see you really change, people help you along the way. You see what I'm saying? That you can manage, you can take care of your children. You see what I'm saying? You don't got to be into the streets. You know what I mean? When you look back at your life, when you're involved in gangs and violence, and you have any regrets for the things that you did? Yes, I have a lot of regrets for the things I did because majority of times I did things I did things under poor pressure. No needs. I had no weight. I had no one to depend on. Maybe I had a family that had to help. Like I say, you have a parents with nine or ten children and it's only one only a mother one. Uh, how long was she? Missing daddies. No, yeah, missing daddies. No daddy on the whole. You know what I mean? You a, a lot of missing fathers? You have a lot of houses with no parents, no daddies, that's mothers. Then, if you look how the situation is, the mother got to do for it, then she ain't going to give her daughter time to grow up because the daughter got to go then provide, have the mother provide for the children. That's why a lot of young girls starting to get killed now too. Because instead of they be dealing with their educations and trying to make some of themselves, they have to help their parents provide. That means you're meeting killers, you're meeting gangsters, you're prostituting yourself. That's the help turn on rent, help turn on light, put grocery in the house. They ain't getting the child time to grow. When she's supposed to be a child, she got to be a parent. Same thing with the boys? The same thing with the boys. When they're supposed to be kids, they got to be big grown adults. If you could share with us, what's the worst thing that you've done that you regret? Me, it's a lot of waste things I've done I regret, you know what I mean? You know? Certain things off the book you can't say. Mm -hmm. you know? But you served time in jail? No. Yeah. I never served time in jail. You never served time? Yeah, but you were arrested before? Yeah, but I did meet and drive time. Mm -hmm. Five years on meet and drive. So I see you I out. Most wanted. You working? You was on the most wanted too? Yeah. Wow. You are out. You're working. You're providing. How was it? How difficult was it to to start over, to get a job, to put all that behind you? People know you got a record, or you've had problems. You've been in problems. How yeah. hard was it for you to to start over? Yeah, it was very hard because at one point in time I almost went back because nothing was working. Like I told you until I get myself situated in certain churches. I mean, they showed me a way and they make a way. You see what I'm saying? Because me going out there myself, personally looking for it, ain't gonna happen. I ain't got you. You need help. That's what it is, you need help. You see what I'm saying? You personally going out there go look for it yourself, you ain't gonna get it. You know what I mean? Everybody will tell you, pay them back. Or we will call and they never call. Mm -hmm. Alright, um, finally, what do you think it's going to take for us to turn this around? I mean, you be 18 murders for the year. Uh, 18 so murders for a month. It's only January and it's done 18. It's yeah. only one month. The year ain't even gone yet. And I mean, What's going to take for us to start to turn this around? To turn this around, you have to go, like, 
do like a have more love and like show people that you really care about them and go to people's houses, check on them. Know what I mean? Get in the homes. Get into the homes, into the schools. And in the evening, when certain children come home, you put them in a different program. We're helping them and they sharing and they seeing love you and they seeing performance. How important is education? Education is a hundred percent. A hundred percent. You know what I mean? Majority of like schools. Majority of our schools full up with foreigners. Okay, okay. Okay, see they teach. Like they teach Spanish and French. Spanish and French is not for them to teach. I think it's for them to teach is more like Creole because the country full of that. How could you be around people and they talk in a language and they do not understand? Good point. But you have to tell you teaching us French and things and we don't have them people here like that. We got Japanese, we got Chinese here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All them speak language we do not know how to speak. Final question. You say you have kids. Yeah. What are you doing differently to ensure that your children don't follow the path that you follow? Well, what I'm doing definitely is my best option is keep them in church, keep them occupied, let them serve God, and I always try to be the father to be there for them so they don't have to go open into the street to look for no love. You see, the love is at home, the love is at church serving God. You see what I say? Get your education and try and make something more of your life. You see what I say? As a father, I done been there and I let like, sit my chair down and tell them all of this. You know, friends just be the, the normal one to be the main one to kill you. Majority of my friends I know have been killed by friends. You see what I'm saying? Which it is, the system, you got some people who four and five murders, three and four murders. The system is really backlogged. You see what I'm saying? You could charge a budget for murder, that ain't mean. He ain't coming out. Good point. You could send him to jail. That don't mean it's nothing. But he could get on the phone and call from jail and and take your life from jail. Huh? If you all the people have selling the phone, they have jail and thing. If you so care about the people that say, you only think you're supposed to put a top in the phone? The lesson in the business? You see, if you want to make a call, if you're making a call for sense, you wouldn't mind. Mm -hmm. So if you don't want me listening to your call, why you don't want me listening to it? All right, my brother. Thank you very much. We want to thank him for his insight. And when we come back, what do these revelations mean within the framework of our legal system? What does this amendment mean? We delve deeper into this. We bring in our legal contributor. Stay with us. After hearing the raw and real experiences of a reformed gang member, it's clear that the issue of crime in our society is multifaceted. But to truly grasp a fuller picture, we need to understand how these stories intersect with our judicial system. We're privileged to have with us Tonic Lewis, a distinguished criminal defense attorney. Welcome to On the Record. 
Thank you. It's a pleasure. Uh, and thank you for agreeing to do this. I know many in, in the legal fraternity shy away from these discussions because they don't want to get involved at this level and talk, but it's important for us to dissect this issue at all levels. So first of all, what exactly do you do as a criminal defense attorney? So as a criminal defense attorney, Jerome, you know, well, most criminal matters, it starts at the from the station visit. Right. So I would do station visits for suspects who are in custody for uh, criminal offenses. If it is that they are charged, then, you know, we started the magistrate's court. So I make appearances before the magistrate's court, so I would handle matters, minor matters, causing harm, disorderly behavior, and then even matters such as possession of firearm, possession of dangerous drugs with intent to supply, and the more serious matters such as murder, armed robbery, rape, you know, trafficking in persons. So it would be just representing defendants once they are charged in, or at least for any criminal offense. So just recently, um, in response to the rising crime, the government brought an amendment to the Bail Act um, to Parliament. What exactly does this amendment mean? So, truthfully, this is what the only thing what I would say, as well as having spoken to some of my colleagues, and they do agree, all it did was, because this was always the policy. So as it relates to these proposed amendments, where they say, if you breach a bail condition, it shall be, your recognizance shall be void. But prior to this, when it is the bail was granted, every defendant, they signed that bail bond. And on that bail bond, that is what they agree to. So these things, it's nothing new, if I be honest. So for the defendant, this is what we've always been doing. Now it's just statute. As well as I have noticed in the proposed amendment, they, it was also a section that speaks to any breach, your bail shall be revoked, or as well as you can be charged with the criminal offense, the breach of bail, which we were always doing. Now, I did note in the objects and reasons of it, it had indicated that persons who are convicted, it was to take away that discretion from the magistrate for them to be able to impose a fine. Now, we still have our penal code, you know, section 123, which says that a magistrate where the, on a conviction, if as long as the penalty does not give a minimum custodial, they can substitute it for a fine. So the magistrate would still have that discretion. So back up a bit um, to something you said. This amendment now uh, puts into law that bail can be revoked, but there was always the ability to revoke bail. There was. So if it is that you had breached a bail condition, prosecutors, they could have made an application to the Supreme Court to have your bail revoked. They always had that. So this is a policy we always had. They just now, it, they're making it statute. Are you able to determine why it was never done, why bail was never revoked, when the, it was, you always had the, the ability to do it? Well, that's just it. It does happen. Sometimes they do make the application to have bail revoked. But now what's happening is, especially when we look at the outcry of the public, so, for example, let's say you have a person who's on bail. So I may have had clients, the bail breach may have been one of, let's say, they missed curfew. 
because even with the pro proposed amendments, the same conditions that they speak to were conditions that judges were always giving defendants. I, I, in many of the things <laughs> I thought, wait a minute, I've heard this before. I thought this was in existence. I thought, and a lot of things I was like, well, this doesn't seem new to me, but yeah. I'm not the legal scholar. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's just, okay, you have a defendant who he's on bail and it is, let's say he breaches curfew. So the judge may have imposed a curfew of you 8 a.m. or no, let's say 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., right? So before 6 a.m., you should be inside your residence. After 6 p.m., you're back in your residence. So that's your curfew. Mm -hmm. So usually, now what I have seen, even before the proposed amendments, they usually bring persons or they charge them when they may have had, like, let's say, four breaches of the curfew. I've never seen it just for one, one breach. No. So if they have a couple breaches, then they would, they were charged, brought before the court. Now, the magistrate, because it's now a criminal charge, which on one of our previous bail amendments, they had already made it a criminal charge. So they're brought before the magistrate. The magistrate, sometimes they may fine them or, you know, on your first time, you may give them a fine, as well as depending on how far off from your curfew or, you know, the, the extent of the breach. So really up to the discretion. Yes. Okay. So right. that's what it always was. So now with this act, it's saying, it says, okay, once you're convicted of a breach, the prosecution, they shall take you before the Supreme Court for the revocation. So not on every occasion prior to these proposed amendments, they may have taken you, but sometimes they did. So now with these proposed amendments, it's saying, look, you shall take them within 21 days. So no option, just take them there. Okay, so thank you for explaining that to us so we begin to understand now how it worked. Now, constitutionally, can any of this be challenged? So, I've heard the concerns as it relates to constitutionally. Now, I think where people bring in the Constitution is because it says that in these proposed amendments, where it speaks to the year of recognizance, it shall be void, right? And again, that is your agreement. So, you know, I always tell my clients, listen, Bail is granted. The judge always tell you any breach of the conditions, you know, you can be brought back to have it revoked. Albeit that the statute says it shall be void. It, I, I, it is my position that it is still at the judge's discretion whether or not on the breach is it egregious enough to say, let us revoke this bail. Because depending on, let's say, for example, if it is that you have a curfew condition, your curfew is at 6 p.m., you get in at 6.05, for whatever reason, because technically, that's a breach. Your curfew is at 6. Mm -hmm. So we'll right judges... held up at the stoplight. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. So will judges look at this as a strict liability offense where, no, we don't care. We won't hear what you have to say because the act says it shall, but... My view is, as well as some of my other colleagues, that the judge, they have that discretion that cannot be taken away from them. And even though it says it shall be void, we still have to look at, obviously, well, let's not say obviously, but hopefully, 
nobody would bring you before the court at, oh, your first time, oh, no, they're supposed to sign in at 6 p.m. They signed in 6.02. Take them before the court. Yeah. So people, you would still... It's still... Even the officers of the court and uh, have that discretion. Yes. Yes. Okay. So let me ask this now. Um, do you see these amendments as really assisting in the reduction of crime? Do you think this is something that people are going to stop and think about now? Or do you think it's people are just going to go on business as usual? See, but again, we always had these. <laughs> so... I don't really think, yeah, because no. <laughs> now we just made it law. This was always the policy. Now, I know, I know persons also, you also look at, oh, well, because the cry, too, was persons who are on bail, they're committing offenses, and now mm -hmm. the act speaks to if it is you commit offense, your bail would be revoked. But when we make the bail application, I, I would go as far as saying 95% of the time, in the affidavit that the person who is applying for bail, he says, I will, that's one of the paragraphs in his application. I will not commit an offense while on bail, right? Because, again, you can't just blanket say, oh, if we give you bail, you commit an offense mm -hmm. without more. So usually we include that. So, and that is something that the judge considers when they grant the bail. That, okay, look, there's nothing to suggest that this person would commit an offense. He is saying that he or she is saying that they would not commit an offense while on bail. Now, even though the act, because it speaks to, you know, a person who is on bail, if it is you, because it, it says not to commit any offense while on bail. Now, the commission of the offense, we can't confuse it and say just because they're charged. And sometimes that's what happened. When you listen to the public Oh, the person who on oh he's on bail for murder and now he's on bail for something else. Oh, we just letting the criminals back on the road. But until he has a conviction, he is innocent. It's just still like the presumption me and you. of and innocence. The presumption, exactly. So I guess my question, and, and I, I ask this as a member of the public, if this individual is not on bail for a serious crime and a criminal matter, and is now back before the court for another matter, that says to me. A pattern of behavior. See, now... I, I, I then from Joe Public's perspective, you're out on bail, but now you're back for another matter. But here's the thing. You're out on bail. Because we, we can't in one breath say, oh, the presumption of innocence. But then when we say, oh, he's back again, you see, he's a criminal. So what happened to his presumption? No, mistakes happen. That's just it. Because we don't look at we being the public. Mm-hmm the common man on the road or anybody who is not in the matter or knows the investigation of the matter has read the file. They know what the statement's saying, right? We don't know what's the strength of that evidence to say that this person, he was charged and, oh, all they have is, and even if they do, no trial has happened. So, which brings me now to my next uh, question. Um, East Grand Bahama, Kwesi Thompson made a comment recently that bringing people to trial in a more timely manner um, will assist in, in uh, dealing with the backlog and being able to dispose of these cases faster. Is that an issue? Um, because I know that a lot of times people are able to apply for bail because they are, have been on remand waiting for a matter to be disposed of, and it's not. Is that backlog a serious issue that continues to impact even this question of bail? It's definitely an issue. 
but we also have to consider, listen, our judges, they're still human. So they still have to write decisions. Mm. They still have to write something up in for their trials. They still have to hear bail applications. They still have to have trials. So it's only so many hours in a day. But I say that to say with the backlog, if it is maybe, because especially with this proposed amendment, right, maybe what we can do is or consider, let's just bring on a judge to deal with the bail. So that's one less thing the judge who have trials has to deal with. That's one thing off of their calendar, mm -hmm. right? As well as when we look at, because with the backlog, Keep in mind, we lost, I would say, about a year and a half when we had COVID. Almost two. Mm -hmm. okay. You're right. Mm -hmm. So that still helped catching with the... Up. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So what we can look at, too, is, listen, instead of waiting, and I do, haven't spoken to some prosecutors as well, I appreciate that they may be a bit short-staffed, so again, it's only so much they can do. Mm -hmm. You can only be one place at a time. But maybe if there's a section to say, instead of waiting until about that two weeks before the trial begins, maybe months in advance, we can see, look, is this a matter that we will actually be proceeding the trial? So let's say we're now in February. There's a matter coming up in August, September. Let's look at that now. Let's start with our preparation. Mind you, things can still change then. Sure. But at least if we know from now, look, this is a matter that we're not going to be proceeding with. We may end up nullying it or discontinuing it. We could take that off of our books. We could take that out of the court's calendar. That frees them up for a week. Something else can be put in there. Very practical. Very, yes. very, very practical. So uh, as a part of this uh, discussion on crime and the outcries for crime, people have uh, brought to the fore again this issue of capital punishment and whether that is the answer. Is capital punishment the answer or do we need to focus more on our correctional facilities and systems and redirect the energy to rehabilitation? My view, capital mm -hmm. punishment is not the answer. I would Why? say let's, let's, well, that would take us into That's a whole, a whole other whole discussion. <laughs> That's a whole other show. No, yeah, you're right. Even okay, the so like, you're, you're right. Yeah, happening. you're right. So and, and I take that because that's a whole other two hours. Yeah. yeah. But let's talk about so, then. And a lot of, of, of lawyers and legal scholars have said that they've come out and said capital punishment is not the answer. Yeah. So we can set that aside for a moment. Let's talk, though, about our correctional facilities and systems and whether we redirect our energy to rehabilitation. Is that the answer? It's, it's an alternative, and it would be a good one. Mm -hmm. And let me, so let me take you through it. When it is, you're charged with a matter, you're on remand, or even when you're sentenced, you know, when you go into the prison, and this is what I've heard from several of my clients. So what they would say is, because sometimes I find, even in the bail applications, they say, oh, this person is in a gang, right? Mm -hmm. So my question is, you tell them you're in a gang? They're like, I'm not in a gang. When I go to the prison, they ask me, what area you live? I tell them Fox Hill, I say I live Pinewood. They just put me in the section where all the persons who are in that area or who live in that area, you know, because... Uh, so I wait, you in jail by constituency? Well, <laughs> you know, because it's their, their reasoning is we don't want to mix two crews to say to have any violence, right? So they try to 
keep you in the area where you're from. This is different. So now, is here it is. Different. If I wasn't in a gang, and you now put me in a cell with all the persons who are, because, you know, we're all from the same area. Sure. We in the cell every day. We can, so come, we can become we can boys. Be exactly. You know, and then, unfortunately, we do have the overcrowding of our prison. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe what we can do is let's either expand it so it's maybe fewer persons in a cell. This may be a bit, I don't even want to say unrealistic, but in the moment, it's not possible since we don't have the space. But let's say, for example, you're from Pinewood, I'm from Fox Hill, right? Just, and if the two of us are in a cell, because it may be, if there's an area beef, but you and I don't know each we other. We don't have that, yeah. Exactly. Oh, we, can now, live, we can live in harmony in, And then in the when cell, we yeah. come out, there's no issue. Yeah. But if it is, I'm in a cell with all these people who now you telling your story as to what may have happened or what may not have happened, or we're just forming our crew. Because now, you're my buddy. We're here every day. My I, I, in a previous interview, um, we have a reform gang member who told me a lot of the issues that are on the outside originate from within that, that prison, that the word comes out and all kinds of things. And you just talked about it. We in the cell together, all of a sudden, I roll him in the pine with boys. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Wow. wow. <laughs> I, I guess finally, how, you know, looking at it from the, from the criminal defense perspective, obviously you, you make a living defending people who are accused. But as a Bahamian citizen, what do you see as the answer? As it relates to our crime issue? To crime, yes. So what I would first say, so several things. Our system, let's, instead of always saying that, oh, this is wrong, we need to fix this, everybody should give an idea. If we are saying that, look, guns are, oh, all these offenses are being committed with guns. Now, I know... I believe they still have the amnesty program, but I don't really hear about it as often. As well as we can maybe impose something where, you know, when you go to prison, you get that reduction in your time. So a calendar year is really eight months mm -hmm. for if you remain of good behavior while you're there. Maybe we could also throw in a, because if it is, we're saying, hey, guns is an issue. We can possibly even say, you bring us three firearms, or however you get for this inmate, will take off another two months. So let's try find ways to say, get the guns off the street. Mm -hmm. Or even if it's, you bring, in a, you bring us in a gun, a not working gun, maybe we'll give you $100. If it's a working firearm, 500 If it's a high-powered, you get, you know, so like let's find ways to give an incentive for people mm -hmm. to bring these guns in, let's get it off of the road. All right. You know, those are those are really practical suggestions. And you're right. I think what we need to do is bring together more stakeholders um, who can begin to bring ideas to the table that will spur more discussion and more ideas. You know, um, everybody's not going to agree. No, but at least if we start to talk as a people as opposed to just putting it at the government's feet to fix, <laughs> which is what we normally do, uh, maybe we can start to move in, a, in another direction. And even with our court system, I would say, because if we need to get matters to trial faster, if it is, let's look at, because we have it, we have plea agreements, right? Mm -hmm. And when I talk to my clients, you know, 
if it's somebody who, be, where it is, uh, listen, they say, okay, Miss Lewis, you know, I am interested in changing my plea or in pleading guilty. What would I be looking at? Right. If the penalty is one where it's not far off than what they would get if they take it to trial, they're What's not the going point? to take it. Exactly. What's the point? Let me take, take my chances. The, that's just my, what it is. You're, you're Let right. me take yeah, my chances. chances. You're right. So That's maybe a, sometimes let's look at it as, okay, yeah. we don't know what will happen if it's taken to trial as well as if the trial is far down the line. Let's propose something that's a little more realistic and where we consider, look, we're saving time, we're saving resources, uh, as well as you're still getting a conviction. I'm not just that. That <laughs> may be the one brush and the person says, you know what, after this I'm done. Y yes. You know, because and I got off easy this time. Attorney Tonic Lewis, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, you've been a wealth of knowledge. I just want to say that I hope I never need your services <laughs> <laughs> for anything, but certainly you are a wealth of knowledge, and we'd love to have you back on at another time to explore uh, matters like this. So thank you very much. Not a problem, Jerome. All right. So we hope that you've enjoyed our show tonight. It's clear that tackling the surge in crime requires a joint effort. The government, the courts, the police force, and crucially, us as citizens. Each of us play a pivotal role. The government, the judicial system can enact and enforce laws, but without the cooperation and engagement of the community, these measures can only go so far. As members of this community, it is incumbent upon us to do our part. This means staying informed, being vigilant, supporting rehabilitation and community programs, and fostering an environment where safety and respect are paramount. We must work together to build a society where crime is not the default response to hardship and conflict. I'd like to extend a heartfelt thank you to our guests for sharing their insights and experiences. Their contributions have added invaluable depth to our understanding of these complex issues. This was On the Record. We'll see you next time.